Welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. We're your hosts, Lauren and Adam. On this podcast, we help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of our traditional ways of thinking and have deconstructed the religious lenses we once saw the world through. From being in the CCM industry and purity culture to sex positivity and sacred sovereignty, it's been quite the ride. We bring on a wide variety of guests to hear their story and break down topics like religious trauma, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like spirituality, equality, and love. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we have Angela and Manny. They host a podcast along with their friend Brandon called Nights at the Roundtable where they talk about faith and love and life and the deconstruction and reconstruction of all those ideals. Angela is an actress and a comedian and Manny is a music artist and yeah, he used to be in the Christian music industry and they've been married for 10 years. Angela and Manny, welcome to the podcast. Hello! Thank you for having us. We're so excited to have you. Actually, you know what? I'm not gonna lie, uh, Angela. When you when you kind of slid into our DMs, it was probably like a a year ago now, maybe. Yeah, at, at least several several months ago. Um, I got really excited. I was very I was very honored that you wanted <laughs> to listen to our podcast because my sister and I grew up doing your bits. Um, Aww. So it was very exciting for me. I told her immediately i was like you'll never guess who slid into my dms (laughs) (laughs) it was so fun um especially so we're actually native and mexican too and so that's something that my dad that's where we get our heritage from um he was always just so excited always like pulled up your videos and all your stuff he's like oh well she's native and she's mexican too and she's hilarious and we obviously found you hilarious so it was always such a fun thing so anyway long time fans of you Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I remember I remember sliding into your DMs for sure. Um sounds sounds so slimy saying sliding into DMs, but, I know. I but, mean, intentionally. But it is what I did. I I had listened to an episode of your guys' on purity culture and I don't even know how I found it. How did I find it? I don't even know. But that's how I, I feel like, all Whoa. the time when people listen to our podcast. I'm like, how did you find it? But you know, that's yeah. just kind of how it goes with podcasts you just like plug in a word and something comes up it might have been i think you you were listening to the the episode it was called purity culture josh harris and now what i think that's the one that you said you were listening to it's our most listened to one and so maybe it's because josh harris is in the title um but regardless i mean we're we're friends with josh harris now i'm like yeah we're talking about you but uh i'm glad you found us yeah, and I posted it on my gram, and I was, like, taking a poll. Like, anybody else relate to this? And yeah. I got so many responses from people just being like, oh, my God, thank you for this. And you guys did a great job of just um, giving a voice to so many. And then not only just giving a voice, but giving people freedom to um, use their voice and say, actually, yeah, that's kind of my story, too. Yeah. You know, giving people permission. Right. I mean, that's what we love to do. And I was really intrigued by your, essentially by your intrigue of our podcast. So for you, 
um, whenever you came across that purity culture episode and something we talk about a lot, but that was during a season where we were speaking about it a lot. Um, Was there, was that a time for you? I know on your uh, podcast, you talk about, you know, deconstruction and reconstruction of all those things, faith, love and all that. Um, Was that a time whenever you were really deconstructing? And so maybe that's why it came across or have you been kind of, deconstructing if you will and and this is both you and Manny either one if you want to respond um how long have you been deconstructing I guess I don't know if you even call it exactly that uh for me it's definitely been a process a journey it's probably been about five six years Mm -hmm. um something in there and I feel like I've always had questions always had things that I'm like Mm, this doesn't feel right. Right. And I think it wasn't until the election um, Mm. where Donald Trump was elected the president. Yeah. And um, I really started to see how I was not aligned with a lot of um, the churches that I thought I was aligned with. Yeah. With the, um, my Christian friends that I thought I was like aligned with and on the same page with, I started realizing, Oh, I'm actually, I don't agree with you. I don't believe what you believe. And, um, that really kind of pushed me into starting to do the work on the questions that I had before it was just questions that I would just put in the back and be like, Oh, well, maybe for another day, but it felt too daunting honestly, mm-hmm. like deconstruction before I even knew that term, just the idea of um, trying to find answers to the questions that I had felt so daunting and so intimidating. And so like, who do I think I am to question things? Yeah. And um, it kind of just kept me in my place for a long time. And it was really the election that kind of propelled me and pushed me to be like, oh, no, I can't do this mm. anymore. That was a big moment for us too. Yeah, I think I think for a lot of people, when you realize like you're just like going on your own merry way, and then you realize, yeah, there's just people that you thought you thought the same way, and you kind of acted the same way, but then realize that the way they see the world is very, very different from you, Um, and it kind of causes a lot of like disruption of I don't know. I mean, familial ties even and. friend like friendships and relationships and yeah so I feel like we had something similar that being said you know we've been kind of talking about deconstruction now how did you grow up did you grow up Christian did you grow up in in religion I personally um we grew up kind of Catholic I guess Mm -hmm. um we didn't go to Catholic church very regularly but right before my parents got divorced I was about I was eight when they got divorced right before that I was doing my, um, first communion mm. and catechism and all of that. And then they got divorced. And so then, um, my parents separately started going to Christian churches and that was like our first time actually getting involved in like youth group and children's church and things like that. Like I started in children's church and then moved to the youth group, but it was probably when I was maybe like 10 when I was starting to be introduced to um, like the non-denominational uh, Christian church, mm. that's started for me. How about you? Yeah. Me? Yeah. The way I, I just cry. I found church. 
I didn't grow up. The closest thing I knew to Jesus was my um, my Jesus piece, my gold chain, and uh, <laughs> about as close as it got. No one in my family is religious. I didn't find God till like my senior year of high school. Oh wow! Okay. I went to church from ninth grade and on. Actually. Yeah, ninth grade, 11th grade summer is when I found God. But I, I just went to church for girls. My homeboy <laughs> was like, oh, there's like fly girls at church. So I was like, bet, let's go. <laughs> but we were still wilding out. You know, I was a little thug before I got saved. You know, I grew up robbing people, carrying guns, like doing the whole trying to be a thug thing. And then uh, went to church camp, my 11th grade summer because somebody paid for me and I was so blown away and it wasn't like a lot of money it was like 130 bucks but no one's ever bought anything for me so it was like oh wow I need to go somebody somebody cared enough to pay for this I need to go yeah and so I went and the first night there I literally saw Jesus like had a vision of him walking in the crowd and I wasn't even saved. Like at that point, I wasn't even like, I didn't go to the altar. I didn't, it was crazy. Wow. But ever since then, it's, yeah, so it's for, been wild. So for you, have you had a deconstruction phase or has this all been a construction phase? <laughs> I started deconstructing once I got out of the Christian industry. Okay. I found I found, <laughs> I found God after I left the Christian industry. Yeah. Like, yep. It was um I still deal with it to this day. I'm right before you guys I got you guys got on the phone. I'm I'm responding to all my Facebook posts cuz I just get them off all the lingering group on crew fans. Uh Yep. <laughs> when I was in it, you know, it was it was one of those things where I felt like I knew like I, and I don't. I, looking back, it's almost embarrassing saying it. I felt so confident in what I knew, right? Yeah. But I didn't do any like real hermeneutical like studies. Like I didn't really get into the the Hebrew or the Greek. Like I didn't really like try. I just yeah. kind of like took this book, accepted its American Americanized uh, uh, way it was taught to me, mm-hmm. and. And just kind of more used it as a weapon. I got it. And this is me speaking for me because I, I I love to debate. I love to argue. And I loved back then. I just love to be right. So yeah. to me, it, it was like, I'm going to take this book. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to go to Bible college. I'm going to be the smartest dude in the room. And I'm just going to use it to just win. Yeah. And, and that's literally how it was. And then I realized, man, I can't even stand up under the weight of my own preaching. Like, I'm not even good enough to be a believer according to me. Mm. (laughs) That was one of those things that really changed things for me too, was just realizing that there was, there was so much, uh, they were always talking about in church about how you're supposed to have faith in the things you can't see and the things you can't know. And they were sitting there on this Bible, preaching it as truth, as something that was so perfectly known and, and, and infallible and, 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 that was their certainty that they were holding on to. They they had absolutely everything dialed in. They had a system how to get into heaven by doing X, Y, and Z. And you could measure your neighbor's, you know, Christianity by the fruit that they were bearing. So you could tell them if they were a Christian or not. And yeah. And there was a moment for me that like 
that became the thing that I wasn't supposed to lean into that whole, like lean not into your own understanding and, and all your ways. Well, I mean, it was, him, you know, it was impressive. And to this day, like I'm still talking to people. It's impressive at how many times people say it's plainly in the Bible. <laughs> it's clear. Like, and I'll ask one question. Oh, okay. Well, what's the Greek word for the word that you're telling me is plain? Uh, I don't know. Then I'm right. like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's plain then. You don't even know what the word actually means. Like, the word is not even, like, you do, You couldn't translate it if you saw the original text. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't need to know the original. I'm like, oh, my God, we can't even talk anymore. We can't. Right. You, there's nowhere else in your life that you would accept that form of ideology yeah. Nowhere, right? Nowhere would you be like, "Oh, I don't even know what it actually says." <laughs> no. Somebody told me it says this. Somebody this- told me it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need to know. Are you kidding me? Oh, I'm like, gosh, man, this is not. I'm this curious is not well. with you though. Like, you had an experience when you were older that was a spiritual interfacing. Like, how do you how do you deconstruct from that? Because for me, I've never, I've never had like. God's never spoken to me, at least that I'm aware of. I've never yeah. had any visions. I've never had any supernatural healings. Like, how do you how do you go from that to start breaking down all of well, everything? What helped was towards the end of my career, like, look, I was trying so hard to be Christian music. Like some of my biggest songs that I, I will never turn on. You'll never hear me listen to them. I, I can't even stand listening to them. <laughs> Not because I didn't like what it did for people, because I'm so proud of what it did for people, but I, it's just not me. Yeah. Not even close to me. So towards the end of my career, I ended up getting voice notes. Like after B left and it was just me and I restarted the group, I, I ended up getting vo- vocal nodules and I had to go on vocal rest for six months. So I couldn't talk for six months. Wow. So it was during that time that I had to have these tough conversations with the Lord. Like, man, if I don't ever get my voice back, who am I? Mm. Like, what am I in the kingdom? Like, I'm gone. I'm used to touring. I'm used to people hearing me speak and I'm singer and I'm all these things. But without my voice, like, who am I? And that's when I got into like what I can I call my hippie Jesus movement, which is... <laughs> I just started appreciating all the things that I had to take in with my senses. Like when I couldn't talk, when I had to finally shut up, I'm noticing the clouds. I'm noticing the trees, the grass. And I'm sitting here like, thank you, Lord, for this grass. Thank you for this rain. Like, thank you for all these real hippie stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, Lord. And that's when the Lord really spoke to me. He was like, the greatest thing that you could ever become is my son. And it's not even become it. It's just accept it. Like if you can just accept that you are my son. There's no title that you're going to work for that's going to be greater than that. So after I was able to start talking again, that's when I knew, oh, this has to change. The way I'm doing life, the way I'm doing uh, ministry is is really performance-based because this is what we're taught. Like I have friends that are musicians and you guys know, if you don't get a number one on AC, mm. if you don't get a number one on K-Love, you damn near think, man, the Lord ain't with me. <laughs> right, right. This song wasn't holy enough. Was like, it wasn't anointed. Anointed, yeah, and, that's the word. And then I peek behind the curtain and I go to K-Love headquarters and they're like, yeah, we typically leave three to four slots reserved for the top artists. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, so it doesn't really matter. No. It doesn't matter about the song. No. They're just reserved. Yeah. Yeah, and we only add one a week. And I'm like, 
oh, well, so this is like total politics. Oh, which yeah. Which is why, you know, you only got three to four headliners every festival. It's the same thing until they just <laughs> stop doing music. Right. Um, so when I started peeking behind it, I was like, oh, man, this ain't like a Christian industry. This is just a normal industry that has some Christians in it, but allow everyone outside to think uh-huh. this is a Christian industry. Absolutely. I've had one tour in my 14 years of being in the industry where somebody brought me on tour based on praying. Mm. And that was Big Daddy Weave. Okay. They're like, we prayed about it. And we feel like you're supposed to be on this tour. I can name a couple of massive names right now. And the only reason they ever took me on tour was because I had a number three AC single. Mm. It wasn't because they felt like my I had the calling or th- that I could reach their crowd or I had something to say. or It was never that. It was how many people can you put in the seats? Okay, we'll bring you out. Wow. So when I stopped like looking at it as a Christian industry... That's when the deconstruction happened. That's yeah. when it all started. It was like, oh, then I can't, I can't put this on these people. And I can't be mad at them either. I just have to accept the industry the way it is and then move like that. So I was like, okay, well, if it's just business, then let me go, let me get out of this and say and do and be who I really feel God is calling me to be. Yeah. And it was in that that my journey uh, really started to flourish as far as deconstructing everything because I already had thoughts like I'm like people were judging me like oh man why don't you be more like so and so why aren't your music more like so and so Mm -hmm. and I'm Mm -hmm. like trick so and so was just walking to his room with another girl that ain't his wife right why why are you talking to me about being more like him (laughs) oh gosh do I know do I know (laughs) I'm like so and so is drunk and high right now on his tour bus but they're really good at playing it on stage though yeah yeah and I'm like and you're worshiping to his songs and look I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm hanging out with the dude. Right, Why? right. Because I love him for him. Right. I'm not, like, upset that he's imperfect. No. I'm just like, no, nah, bro, it don't matter what you do. Like, I trust your relationship is with God. Yep. I'm going to love on you. As long as you cool with me, then we cool. Right. But it really, I started There's a really double standard, not, though, for sure. Yeah. And I stopped taking the fans or the people that were judgmental. I stopped, I stopped letting their words actually ever affect me. Because yeah. once I saw that they had no clue, like they're literally thinking that they're saying something that's right or noble. Right. Or the comparison is actually accurate. I was like, oh, Jesus, they just don't know. Right. They think they know, but they just don't know. So I, their words didn't hold any more weight. Right. So now. So then with your six months not being able to talk and, you, and your whole like all this is like changing for you, when you go back... I don't know your timeline as far as like the band and, and being in the Christian music mm-hmm. industry. Did you go back? Did you try to be in the Christian music industry or is that the thing where you're just like, okay, no, we're done. We're bought. Yeah. Like, I went back for two years, Okay, but I went back on my terms. Yeah. Like I was just like, I told my label, I was like, y'all, I can't stand AC radio. Yeah. Like, I would never listen to this. Yeah. So I don't think I, I can make music for it. Like how, you know, I'm right. not a bad, I'm not like a great singer. I can hold a note, you know, for like a couple seconds. Like it's just not me. Yeah. So I'm just going to do this record 
if it works, it works. If it doesn't, y'all can let me out of my deal and I'll bounce. And did like, they? Did they like how did that end? Yeah, totally. I I released the record. Nobody wanted to talk to me. Nobody wanted to play. Like literally, stations that I went number one on were like, "Why would we talk to him?" Sheesh. Yeah. I was like, "Oh snap!" It's like that. Right. Like, magazines that I was on the cover of. No, we don't want to talk to him. Right. Uh. I was like, "Did I do something to all these people?" Like, <laughs> and then I remember praying to the Lord. Like, I remember asking him, "God, make it plain. Like, if it's my time to go." Just like make it obvious. And we pray prayers like that, right? But then when they get answered in that very strong way, we all of a sudden get upset. (laughs) Like, like, excuse me? Yeah, like, what the hell, man? Why don't they (laughs) like me anymore? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And I had that attitude. And then I was like, oh, wait, you're making it plain. Okay. And I never looked back. Never. And you couldn't pay me to go back. Right. You couldn't. You could, you can say, I'll give you a million dollars to go back into that industry. I'd be like, no, I'm good. Because it would require you to change who you are in one way or the other. Either you'd have to pretend to be somebody that you're not or else you'd become spiteful at the people that you actually can see life with. Yeah, no, I I think they just wouldn't accept me. No. Because I wouldn't, I'm not good at being who they want me to be. Same. Yep. Yeah. I had to to get really like chiseled. Like my label did a great job at like, not they were great like i didn't have to hide myself i just couldn't be fully myself right. like i remember one time i was at a radio station and we were just guys being guys and we're all talking and and they're like talking cars like guys talk and um all the guys were like yeah when we got married you know we had to get the minivans and the mobiles and i'm like yeah me too my wife made me get rid of my car too and they're like, oh, what car did you have? I was like, I had like a little sports car, like a little Nissan Z. And, and they were like, what'd you get? I was like, well, I got a BMW and a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole room goes quiet. And then I was, I'm just thinking we're talking guy talk. Then <laughs> when I get out, my label was like, hey, just for future reference, maybe don't say what kind of car you got. Maybe just... <laughs> Maybe just say you got an SUV in a car. And I'm like, yeah, but everyone else said what kind of car they got. Right. Why would, why would they be like, yeah, I got a Tahoe. Yeah, I got a Quest, a Nissan Quest. And I'm going to be like, yeah, man, I got a two-door and I got a four-door uh, SUV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, right. So it was so weird. And all that just really let me know I just don't belong here. Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't make them bad or me bad. Yeah. It just makes it not for me. Yeah. Yeah, that that took me some time to kind of come to terms with that um, personally. But for you, sure. are you doing music n- still, but just now, yeah. just non non Christian? Uh, well, I have a strong opinion on what we call Christian and not like. You're not promoting to Christian radio anymore, essentially. No. Okay. Yeah, there I'm still go. doing. You know, I don't. A, I don't call music Christian. I yeah. don't. I don't call it because it's not like there's. Buddhist music right. or Muslim music. You're not trying There's to a... book Christian tours or get on Christian radio, yeah. essentially. I'm not even trying to do any of that. I mean, I I'm, I do sync music now, so I write for TV and yeah. stuff. There you that, go. That's what me and Riley were doing. Oh, okay. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he's he's got his... I don't remember, but... Um, I don't remember the band name, but I know he had started doing sync music. Yeah, he has Club Danger yeah, and yeah, then yeah. he has Viceroy. Yes, okay. Very cool. Yeah, so I'm just having fun doing that. It's, I mean, I've never been more free... Yeah, it's so fun, and it's not like I'm saying anything crazy, but it's right. just you get I'm to be not. yourself. There's no bias. Yeah. yeah, 
No. I'm not scared. I love that. Okay, so Angela, you still there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I'm so clarify this to me because I don't know if there's like Christian like subculture comedians. I don't know if there's like a genre for that, but I do know like you were approved by youth groups because I yeah. saw you in my youth group room. <laughs> all right. Like pulled up on the screen. Everyone loved it. Um, so youth group approved. Is there some sort of certification you need to have or some sort of like in that you need in order to be like youth group church approved comedian? You got to speak the language. <laughs> right. Okay. You got to uh, do a clean show and speak the language. Right. You got to know your, your Christianese and yep. you got to be able to throw it. Even though I don't speak Christianese in my, in my stand-up. I think, I think really my stand-up resonated with people just because it's clean and it's family-friendly. Mm. And I talk about, you know, family-friendly topics. And so it's easy for people to laugh at it and then if anyone were to do their research on me then they would go oh she's one of us okay yeah. cool let's yeah. let's invite her to come perform at our church and that kind of stuff so you because of that being family friendly then you probably were essentially you were in a way in a, in the christian industry too if you're being brought out to churches and all that kind of stuff so you have to always like double check yourself as well just like what you're saying and probably how you're dressing things like that like purity culture modesty culture stuff um did, did you find yourself in those kind of like mental like having to think about that that sort of thing or did you just totally do you and you just happened to show up to churches yep that was me i just did me yeah. and i i was the same girl at the comedy club the same girl at the church I love and that. Um, i think they responded well to me because i did have a little bit of edge to me but just enough to where you can feel like spicy for laughing at my joke, but, <laughs> I, but I wasn't offensive, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, so I, I feel like it was really just me doing me and, um, I, I blended in well. That's great. I mean, that's, that's a great way to go about your industry and, and your business and still being yourself and just going wherever you're getting a call and wherever you're getting booked. Um, we had a, you know, we had posted those questions or the, um, the little comment question yeah. box thing. And somebody asked you, they said, um, does Angela feel like she has to cater her humor to the taste of Christians? Um, so uh, do you, because I'm sure you have a Christian fan base because you're family friendly. Yeah. I'm, I'm do you, ever think about it now that you are um as as far into your um career as you are or do you still just do you doesn't really matter so i would say it's less about um catering to the christian crowd in my comedy um because my comedy has always been what it is i tell stories that yeah. are to my life and that are relatable to people yeah um there's there's times when I was writing a lot of jokes about either going to church or prayer or whatever mm -hmm. because that's what was um going on in my life so that's what I was talking about I would say the the times when I get not stuck catering to the church, but where I, I, I'm in my head about it is more so on like social media yeah. and things like that, where there's things that I want to say, but I know I'm going to piss off a lot of people. Yeah. You're not trying to get canceled. 
yeah, I'm going to piss off people. They're going to hit me up in my, my comment section or my DMs. And I've noticed over the years, I've gotten less and less comments and DMs from people because I think I've been more vocal about who I am, what I believe, yeah. um, things like that. And um, either they've unfollowed me or they don't care as right. much. Right. You- I know I've lost a lot of followers for sure. Um, and a lot of times that doesn't necessarily translate to people buying tickets to my show because there's people that buy tickets to my show that don't follow me on Instagram. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious though. So you said you've kind of been deconstructing forever. So like when you're, when you're moderating the things that you say, because a lot of it, what you were saying was like, you wanted to to let people know that you weren't on their side, basically. Uh, a lot of the people that you were relating with um when the trump administration came around and and there was a lot of people in church spaces that were that were aligning with some pretty bad problematic things um did you feel like you did you have the opportunity to really vocalize on your social platforms in that movement of like really trying to claim the things you did believe in through that spiritual change well i feel like my really active deconstruction started around the election time with Donald Trump. And that's, right. that's when it really started for me. And it would be politics that I would, I'm not a political comedian at all. And I'm not a really a political person, but over those four years, I definitely spoke out a lot more because I felt like it was so necessary. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I would, little by little put things out there and a lot of times I would put it in my stories because it felt safer because I knew yeah. it was going to disappear in 24 hours right. but I was like well whoever sees this sees this and there'd be some you know commotion in my dms and sometimes there wasn't and then um sometimes I'm surprised at what causes a commotion I remember one time I posted um to get out and vote for this most recent election yeah in 2020 and I didn't say who to vote for anything. I just said, this is the most important election of our lifetime. Yeah. And the sweater that I was wearing said people over profit. Mm. And that's all that was said. And I got thousands of comments. And it was like the craziest stuff that I was reading in my comment section. People far, far reaching. Oh, people over profit so i guess i'm not coming to any of your shows anymore i won't be buying any of your merch anymore and i was like what that doesn't even apply here what are you (laughs) talking about like and it was just a lot of um craziness from if you think about it a message of jesus right like right i i couldn't even understand how that got so twisted but then when i take a step back and I go, oh, actually, I do completely understand how it got so twisted because a lot of things are so twisted. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I feel like little by little, I would put who I am right now, what I'm believing right now out into the social media world. And I would start getting comments from people and just getting a lot of unfollows from people. And they like to tell you when they're unfollowing you. So <laughs> That's a real uh, yeah. good gauge. Like, oh, I think I lost some followers today. How do you know? Well, they told me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there was one time that I fully monitored um, my followers. And it was a day when I was posting um, 
post in support of uh, Pride Month in June. Yeah. And I posted a carousel of pictures, me with my brother and his partner, me with my uncle and his partner of over 30 years, me with my cousin and her wife, me with my best friend and her wife. And like, just, I, I love my gays, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what my post was. And was just like, hey, I love you and Jesus loves you too. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise. And um, So how was that for you? I, how was- oh, I lost thousands upon thousands of followers that day. Yeah. And that it really made me sad, not necessarily to lose followers, but because that was the reason that I lost them. Right. Right. It's, it almost, I, I remember when I, that was my kind of, um, no pun intended, but like my my coming out story of hey, I'm not a conservative fundamental ex or evangelical Christian <laughs> anymore was whenever I came out with my video of how I became an affirming Christian, like an affirming LGBTQ affirming human being, and I ended up losing lots and lots and lots of um, following. Then I don't have as like obviously as much followers as you, especially back then. But I it was a huge a huge shift for sure, and it almost made me. Like I didn't wait. I didn't sit on that video as soon as I I knew I needed to make that video and I, I posted it literally immediately, but it made me want wish I could have done it years ago, <laughs> of mm. course. Um because I'm like, well, if all of you, all this huge of a number uh, like unfollowed me because of this, I wish you would have unfollowed me so long ago to think that you thought I stood with mm-hmm. you and the way you think about this makes me sick (laughs) so I wish I would have done this so much longer ago so did you have like that that same sort of thing being like wow I didn't even know that many of you were disturbed by this or were you not shocked um no because honestly it was a journey for me myself like Mm -hmm. from growing up with children's church and youth group and being taught that being gay is bad and it's wrong yeah and you know love the sin hate the sin love the sinner hate the sin and and that whole thing. So I had a whole journey myself of getting to this place of being affirming. Right. So I, I wasn't surprised because I saw myself in them. I saw myself Mm. in them from my teenage years, from just trying to figure out, figure it out. And honestly, trying to get it right was Mm. my thing. Like, I just want to get it right. I want to honor God. I want to, you know, do the right thing. And it was really coming from that place. So I definitely saw myself in them and there was grace in that sense, but also more so like embarrassment for myself. Like, Mm -hmm. man, I'm sad that I also held that opinion before and that I held it for so long. And, um, I'm, I'm sad that you're there, but I'll pray that you, you can learn to love people and that you won't be triggered when you see gay people holding hands or when you see uh gay people in television or movies that it won't trigger you and to the point where you won't feel like you need to like tell everybody hey we need to go vote to um make sure gay people don't have rights like i i i just saw a version of myself, an early beta version of myself mm-hmm. and the people that were in the unfollow army. And, um, yeah, 
It was sad. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand because I had the uh, same experience. You know, that's why yeah. that's why my video was how I became an affirming Christian. Um, yeah. Because I, I hadn't always been. Or I at least hadn't always been able to um, fully believe it. And as soon as I was like, oh, my gosh, wait. <laughs> Love is love. God makes everyone with the same yeah. magic and same love. And I don't know, whenever I like fully had experiences of like myself and falling in love with Adam, experiencing what true love was and all of this, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't reserve this for myself. Um, and so right. I made that and I made that video and it was a process, a long process for me too. Um, but yeah, it, it was more so like it made me sad that I, I wish I, I wish I could have come to it earlier. Um, not that I, yeah. I couldn't have made that. I, I mean, honestly, you could ask Adam. I could not have made that video quicker. As soon as yeah. I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm an ally. I was like, all right, yeah. I'm filming tomorrow. Okay, I'm posting tomorrow. <laughs> well, literally, I, right? I joke all the time that she literally like had all of this deconstruction happen over, I'm sure, happen over, I'm sure like months and months. But like she basically kind of sat down one night and presented me this thesis of like, where she's at now and all of this deconstruction <laughs> that she's done and what she believes and immediately switching over verbiage use and all uh, so many different things. And, and I feel like it, it, it is one of those things that like once, once you feel it, you kind of just have to say it. Yep, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, did your, did your brother, you mentioned your brother, uh, somebody had asked a question about how they said, Angela, how has your faith beliefs been at odds with your brother's sexuality? If it has, um, when did, so when did he, come out and was that before you had deconstructed or was that kind of a catalyst for you I mean we were young he was in junior high school I was in high school um so we were young when we knew my brother was gay and it wasn't like he had like a coming out Mm. it was it was more just like he and here's my boyfriend you know and it was like and here's my you know, somebody that I'm talking to or whatever it was. Um, and same thing. It was just a journey. It was a journey with understanding my brother, my faith and, and growing and evolving. Mm. And I feel like I've always loved my brother and accepted my brother, but it was probably, it's probably been in the past, maybe 15 years to 10 years that I've really become more of an ally to him and yeah. not just I accept you mm-hmm. you know right um but honestly I feel like I would ask I would ask my brother and be like hey when did you feel me really start to love and and support you and like affirm you mm. you know like, I feel like I would have to ask my brother to see on his end when did he actually feel me start like affirming him yeah um but yeah, I, I definitely feel like in these past like 10 to 15 years, I've become more of an affirming ally. And I mean, I feel like the proof is in my relationships and my family and my friendships and the people that I hold close and near and dear to my heart. And they hold me the same to theirs, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I don't know that it's been more of a... um it's really been more of a journey with the Christianity side, not necessarily my, my mm. brother and, and, um, the gay side. Right. It's like, how do you make your Christianity work with what you already know and fully live into? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So it, obviously this is a big, I mean, deconstructing your faith and so many things that you believe and are raised on and, and, and structure so much of the way that you see the world. Uh, with you and Manny, I mean, were you, were you both aware of, of your shift of that change in yourself and your belief systems when you met, when you were dating, all of that? Or is this something that's changed throughout the course of your marriage? Uh, it's definitely throughout the course of our marriage. Um, I started my process first before Manny and um, it was a, a source of contention for us for sure in the beginning because, um, you know, we got married uh, on the same page, believing exactly the same thing. And um, well, not exactly. Like we used to get in arguments early on, especially about um homosexuality and Manny he can speak to he didn't really know uh any gay people until he met my family um and but I think it was you know we were were on the same page we're believing the same things we go to church we're both he's in the Christian music industry I'm very connected in the Christian church world and speaking at churches and doing church conferences and all of this kind of stuff. And then I come to him one day and I'm like, I don't know that I believe that I, I need to, I have a lot of questions and, um, Manny is very smart, very wise, summa cum laude Bible school graduate. Mm. And I'm the girl that if you ask me a question, I'm like, um, well, um, so what? <laughs> and it was really hard for me to go through the process in the beginning because it would be, you know, I would have to present what are my new thoughts. And right. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what my new thoughts are. I just know it's not that. Mm. And we started um, arguing and it was, it was a, a tough time for us for a little bit during that season And then um, for me, I felt like I started to hear Manny in conversation with other people. Mm. And he would say things that sounded like a deconstructed thought, that sounded Mm. like very open-minded, something as simple as, well, who am I to say who goes to heaven and hell? Right. And I was like, what? What? I felt very, like, um, different. Um, And... So then Manny started his process. I'll let him tell you about beginning his process. Well, I think, like, as far as her and I are concerned, like, did you already... I think, like, with, with her, it was it was scary being, like, as you know, like, you're married and you're... you're you start the journey one way, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> three years into it, she's... <laughs> Telling me new things, and I'm like, "Oh, snaps!" Like, and like fundamentally I'm, changing things. I'm out here preaching this thing that you're telling <laughs> me you're, you're doubting. So I was more so like, "Oh no!" <laughs> like, I don't know what to do at this point. They didn't teach me about this, so it was, it was one of those uh, tough times where I think you know, and I think initially I came at it wrong because I am very. Logical, I think. I agree. <laughs> I think as 
as men, we're very logical, you know, like if you're going to do something, then you should probably know why you're doing that. Oh, thing. Lauren and I are totally opposite. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm the logistics, actually. She's the logistics oh, okay. and I'm all feels. Yeah. So, I'm more like, look, you don't need to know everything. Like, I don't expect you to be studious. Like, <laughs> if you don't want to be, but just don't make public statements about things that require you to be studious in order to make them. Like, right. just keep it to yourself and, di- you know, dissect it, whatever, reconstruct, deconstruct, do all those things. But since you have a public life and you have a big platform, if you're going to start taking positions, mm-hmm. you should probably know why you're taking these positions more so than just saying, I don't know, I just feel like this is this. Right. Because you're going to get torn apart. Yeah. Like saying it to me is okay because I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm not going to crucify you for this. But once you get on the on the wrong. It wasn't okay at first. Well, it wasn't okay because I was trying to prevent you. It was a moment of protectiveness that that. Yeah. From getting caught. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't like I was like mad because you weren't able to prove it to me. Mm. I was I was more like, babe. You're kind of famous. You're going to get out here. They're going to ask you a question and you're going to say something and then they're going to ask you a follow up and you're not going to have anything to say. Right. That is going to be the point where you and it's going to be too late where you're going to be like, oh, snap, I probably shouldn't have said that. Mm. Yeah. And that was my biggest concern. It's like, look, I don't care what you believe as long as you know why you believe it. Yeah. It, like even at the most nominal level, like not even like give me the. The, the Hebrew and the Greek of it all. I'm just talking about, yo, just know why you believe what you believe. Right. That way you can give an account to it. Even if the account is, I believe this because there's just this gut feeling in my heart that I don't think the Lord would be this way. And here's why, you know, I see examples like this. I see examples like this. Now, do I understand these examples fully in context? Maybe not, but it just seems like his heart for people was more than just these rules. Yeah. And I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that was definitely not what I was saying. Mine was more like, because it doesn't feel right. That was my answer. Right, right. Well, for Lauren and I, it just like shifted. She shifted. Like I said, she shifted language so much that it went it went from miracles and God to magic and Wiccan. And, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, hold up. Those are all heavily weighted. Yeah, I mean, Andrew's Andrew's doing new moon rituals, was doing like new body work and all this stuff. And look, I'm all for it. Like, I'm like, as long as you just know why you're doing what you're doing. And that's something that I'm like, don't just keep following people that are being studious or that are learning and you're just kind of floating based on different people's ideologies. Like, have an opinion. Yeah. Like, have a thought on something. And then I'll be able to be like, okay, cool. Whether I agree with you. It doesn't matter. Like it's cool. That, but initially, it it did ruffle my conservative feathers. Yeah. And then, but then, I you know, God started ruffling them myself, and I started feeling like, oh man, it, asking questions isn't like bad. Right. And I used to think it was bad. I used to think it made you feel. It made you like a person who didn't believe or doubted or something. You know. Yeah. Then I realized. Oh, this is literally how people get to know God. They get together and they ask questions. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I used, how to, else? I used to be like, I mean, we were just saying like I'm, I'm more the like logistic type and I wanted to know the answers. And so even with my deconstruction and we, we've 
brought up LGBTQ now. And for that, again, that example, I, I felt a certain way, but that it, it wasn't until I could like prove things about the Bible and like, you know, that I didn't believe it, it to be inerrant anymore. And the fact that homosexual, the word wasn't even in the Bible till 1946 and all these things, then I was like, I was doing a lot of research on it. So when I could prove it to my brain and not just listen to my heart or my whatever you want to call it, heart, soul, right. intuition, Holy Spirit, then I could be like, okay, now I can like back, back this up. And that's how I was, especially in the beginning. But now in so in a lot of my healing and a lot of post super uh, post Christian days for me personally, I have learned to lean into accepting not only my own intuition or what someone would call Holy Spirit, but also allowing other people to do that too. Because I am that logistics person that I'm like, prove it, prove it, prove it. But now mm-hmm. I'm able to be like, all right, what it it's very it's actually very Christian yeah. of someone to listen to another person and be like I really feel like God, you know, would love everyone. Or I, w- I would really feel like God wouldn't create a hell for us to all go to. Or or I feel the spirit telling me this like that. I feel like a lot of current day Christians, they forget that one third of their God being is the Holy Spirit, right? You got the the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, we just like leave out Holy Spirit a lot when it comes to like knowledge and when it comes to wisdom and when it comes to to questions and growth in a relationship with God. We somehow leave that part out, but I think it's a major, major part of our spirituality. And especially even if you still uh, identify with the Christian faith, I think Holy Spirit is so very important. And I know myself, I have often let that go and or I've not put enough power into that. Um, so that's something that I've definitely healed and grown into even beyond, even though I don't really identify as Christian anymore. Um, I try to still take lessons from the Holy spirit and what that could potentially mean. I feel like there's, there is that. And there's the idea of like, um, we've been taught not to trust our feelings, totally. and not, not to trust our heart, that our heart is evil. And um, that if you have these feelings and you bring it back to the word, and if it doesn't line up, then that's not the Holy Spirit. That's just your own feelings. Mm. And you're not supposed to, you know, worship your feelings or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like that's when it comes to, to me, I know a lot of these things come over my go over my head because I'm not a theologian and I don't know Greek and Hebrew, but even things like what you were saying about homosexuality, not even being a term in the Bible until like the 1940s when it fit an agenda. But it's things like that where I can know like within me, mm-hmm. there's a lot that I don't understand. And for us to think that we have God figured out and to treat the Bible like a manual just doesn't ring true with me. It doesn't feel right. And that's where I, like Manny and I would bump heads because I would always land on my feelings. And I, I didn't have a scripture to back up my feelings. I just had what I considered Holy Spirit and intuition. And then anyone else would be like, well, you're, it doesn't lead back to God's word. So it's not the Holy Spirit. And I'd be Mm. like, well, it's free. But at the end of the day, 
It doesn't matter for like, you. Well, do you have a relationship I, with God or do you have a relationship with the Bible? It's just like what I keep right? always going back to. I'm like, what are you worshiping here? Um, right. And a lot of people well, if you think now about worship it, the Bible. If you think about it, yeah. If you think about it, God was still speaking pre-Bible. Right. Right. How was he speaking? He wasn't speaking according to scripture. It wasn't written. <laughs> he was just talking to people. Yeah. And people just had to trust his voice. Right. There was no book to go back to and check. Right. So it's like, if he did it then, he could do it now. And to me, the problem I have is not that I don't respect the Bible at all. Like, I love it. But I'm like, I think we've gotten gotten to a place as a community where we've limited God to just the Bible. Right. And I'm like, man, y'all, do you think that Jesus says some things that ain't in here mm. that will probably blow our minds, yeah. that will literally rock our socks? Like, while he was around, do you think he said some stuff that the disciples were like, yo, that's word right there? <laughs> and it just didn't make the Bible. Right. Like, right. I didn't make I the cut. Somebody that, I, answer, I asked a staunch Christian that, and he was like, no. Really? No. Every, everything he said that needed to be in here is in here. Wow. That's, and not a like, lot. That's not a whole lot, to be honest, for 33 I, years. I know. I'm like, you gave this fool like four books. And most <laughs> of them is the same. And just the fact that I said fool, that's going to trigger a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> you said you got three it, perspectives on one thing. And that's pretty much the whole bit we got about yeah, Jesus. Yeah, like I'm like, bruh, he said more stuff. And I think about it. I'm just like, man, this is... Like, people can't think beyond it. Like, right. and, and that is the scary thing to me because I'm like, man, he's still speaking. What if the things he's speaking is more correlating to the, the culture that we're in? Right. Because there's no way he's speaking to an African tribal priest the same way that he's speaking to a pastor in L.A. Yeah. Like, it's not even the same beyond culture. It's not even the same anything. Right. Like, how could he even speak the same way? It has to be culturally relative because the book was based on culture. Mm -hmm. When Christ was talking about scripture, he was talking about Torah. Yeah. He was talking about a very specific thing. Yeah. Now, we transpose it to us because somebody translated into our language, but it didn't change the fact that he was dealing from very like Christian root, I mean, Jewish roots to a Jewish nation, mm -hmm. understanding that, man, we have these rules that are a part of our, our culture that's going to set us apart from every other culture in this, in this world. Now, granted, at some point, the Jewish people felt like they was, they need them, which is why the parable says, hey, I'm going to send people out, go out into the streets, being the homeless, bring everybody in. Tell them they invited to this party. Everybody can come in. Yeah. And now, because he's like, yo, if you don't want it, I'll pass it along. Right. Gentiles, welcome. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. at that point, he opened he opened it to a whole other level to which, you know, that's what a lot of disciples got in an argument with because a lot of disciples were trying to convert people to Judaism. Yeah. And it was, nah, bruh. They're allowed to be them. Yeah. They're not Jewish. They are them. We follow Jewish culture because we're Jewish. It's a part of our culture. They will follow their culture as long as they believe in Christ. They will be saved. Mm. But we've been difficult. 
We've just made it so difficult. Yeah. Well, it's just like, it's that same, that same uh, idea that you're talking about where you approached a Christian and, and asked if, if Jesus had said anything else important, like in the first like 32 years of his life, he, he, I guess, didn't say a single thing of any sort of importance at all or meaning, but then, but now (laughs) even if you, if you even dare say that you don't believe the Bible is inerrant or infallible, Mm. any conversation that you're having with a Christian, the the moment that you quote scripture, the moment that you say anything about the Bible, they're like, well, I thought you said it wasn't infallible. Or I thought you said that it was that that it was uh, that there were errors in it and there's conflicts in it. So which one is it? Are you just cherry picking what you believe to be true, or are you you know? And it, Everybody you this, cherry picks. You get into this well, place here's the new where one. you can't even talk about it because it either has to be all true or or, or you don't have a right to reference it. Hey, everyone. Want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode. Well, there you go. When you when you start using terms like like you don't ever want to argue with somebody that, you know, is like hella, hella staunch or conservative Mm -hmm. and start using things like the Bible has errors. Right. Don't even do it because you're going to tie yourself up. Yeah. The problem is, is that we read it thinking that it's all one thing or all another thing. Yeah. Most of them want to take it literal. They want to take a book like, uh, you know, Song of Solomon or a book like Genesis or a book like Leviticus and say they're all the same. When it's like, oh, my God, they're not all the same. <laughs> they're definitely not. They're like beyond not the same. Levitical is literally law. It's like lit- it, a lot of it is 100% literal. Yes. Then you got Genesis, which uses a lot of, you know, metaphor metaphors and, and, and different ways of, of speaking that was more like stories of hand-me-down. Because like the creation story is very similar to a lot of other cultures' creation stories. Yeah. Like it's stories told that are hand-me-downs. You know what I'm saying? Then you got a freaking book like Song of Solomon's that it's, Song of Solomon's, like the dude's just being creative. So for you to approach the book with only one angle, you're going to run into a big problem because they'll try to keep you with the letter of the law in New Testament. But then I'm like, you're going to have to throw away the whole Old Testament then, mm-hmm. bruh. You yeah. will, because if you want to tell us that it's about the law or you got, if you love me, you'll keep your law. Okay, cool. Christ was talking about Torah. He was talking about the Jewish law. If you really want to go there, man, you are asking for it because now you have to keep all of it. So you so can't. my question is like, how do you start reconciling that in your relationship then? Because like, clearly like you two both come from very different sides of things. So like, what was, what was the point for you? Were you in Bible college when you started flipping over to this idea that it's not all literal, that it's contextual? Like, how did you guys start? Because clearly you're happily married and having conversations on your own podcast about relationships and deconstruction and all of that like how do you how do you start reconciling that conversation you know when it started when i stopped needing to be right Mm. that's when it started that's when the healing started yeah because i realized hey man shut the hell up (laughs) you don't know nothing bruh there's scholars that have studied this bible for 50 years and they're still asking questions about a verse they will go for 50 years studying a book just to become an expert on a book. 
Jeez. not even the whole Bible. Right. right. <laughs> and there's still tension between scholars about what certain things mean. The homosexuality debate has been going on since the damn Bible was written. And the fact that the word that could have been used to make this super simple wasn't used. Paul used two separate words to describe this term. We translated into homosexuality because that was the most sense that it made for us, right? But it wasn't the words being used. It was something completely different. So when you go into the study of it, it's like, man, this thing gets really, really confusing because you're talking about a time period where culture was different. But in, in real life, it ain't that. We don't. We always consider it. Oh, it's one thing. It's just one thing, right? Because that's our culture, right? But it's so it's so deep and nuanced, and and if you don't know the culture of back then, it's really hard to understand or make it this one thing. And I always tell people, look, I'm not saying I'm right, and I'm not pro any agenda. I'm pro understanding that I'm a novice at best yeah. when mm. it comes to understanding this book. So will I tell you you're wrong? No. But will I accept you telling me that I'm wrong? No. No. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. I love that. Because you're not a scholar. Yeah. And most of these people arguing online, on Facebook. Like, I'm literally talking to a girl right now. Her name is Michelle. She's on my Facebook blowing it up. Because I posted a, a passage from a book, right? And, it, and the passage just said that we started excluding Gentile Christians back in the days of the, of the biblical times, yeah. they were, they were excluded because the Jewish people felt like it was only for them, the, 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 the gospel. Right. And then the Jewish were invited. And he said, and he, the, the author may mention that it's ironic that we went from being excluded us Gentiles. And now the Gentiles are the ones that are excluding people from the gospel as well. Yeah. Now, I didn't think that was a controversial statement because I'm like, bro, the numbers don't lie. Right. And I speak to a lot of people on my platform and they'll be trying to say, oh, people could be leaving because the gospel is not pre preached hard enough. I was like, find me that guy. Find <laughs> right. me that guy who's like, screw this church. Gospel ain't preached hard enough. I'm out. Maybe they're there. Maybe they're there. I've only heard, I've, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's not possible. There's probably a lot of staunch people that that can happen. But I've met and a, 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 such a large number of people are leaving because they either feel judged, condemned, or not able to live up to the, uh, the rules and standards that are given to them. Yeah. And that's why they're leaving. And this lady is literally like, oh, this book is not of God and you're on a slippery slope and you're just a progressive Christian. And I was like, oh, cool. You read the book? She's like, no, I read the Amazon comments. I was like, oh. <laughs> there was a thread in the Amazon comments. And, you know, like there was a lot of one and two stars. So, I'm, you know, I'm not going to read no book that's oh. about accepting homosexuality. I was like, wait, what? You're telling me you just read you just read the Amazon reviews? Like you never <laughs> read the book? And specifically the one that didn't like it. Yeah. And, and she's going hard. Oh and I'm just like, but but wait, let me get this straight. We're still saying that you haven't read the book, but you're still going ham on the book. Well, what is the book about? What is the book about? I'm like, it's literally called The Good Book, Reading the Bible with Your Heart and Your Mind. 
<laughs> That's oh what the book is. You said, why don't you tell me what the book is since you seem to That's have such a problem about. with it. I'm like, do you understand that you're not even judging the book by its cover? You're not even getting that far. <laughs> literally just the reviews. Yay. You're literally judging the book based on reviews of people that you don't know. Yeah. That they, they may be baffling. even judging it by its cover. That's rough. It's baffling. And she's going hard. <laughs> I was like, wow. She's, so at this point, I'm playing. I'm like, okay, cool. She's just looking right. for something to do on a Thursday night. Don't worry about it. But it's that spirit that I used to have. Yeah. yeah. Right. I had to be had to be right. When I stopped having to be right, then me and Anne's got along so much better because yeah. I, I realized I'm so sorry. I've been wrong so many times. I've looked like a hypocrite so many times because here mm. I am having to backpedal because my dumb butt thinks I know everything. Mm. And now I realize I don't know anything. So, Angela, have you had a shift then? Like, have you moved more into trying to, to, to back the feelings that you have so that you can, like, how, how has that movement been for you? Because I feel like, I feel like the, the conversations that you guys are having are, are deep and they're, and they're obviously, like, well, well thought out and all that. So, like, was there a moment that it shifted for you? I, I feel like the Bible was really uh, triggersome for me, to be honest. Yeah. And. There would be times where I would sit and open up the Bible and Manny would challenge me and he'd be like, when's the last time you read your Bible? Mm. And then I would go read it and I would like get like a paragraph in and be like, <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't, you just said it like I was like a freaking tyrant. When's the last time you read your Bible? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't mean it like that. I'm just meaning... In an accountability type way, yeah, when yeah. is the last time you read your Bible? And so I would go to read it and I would get like a paragraph in and be triggered. And then I would read like a, I would try to go to like an old devotional that I had that yeah. was like trusted, like this used to really like work for me. And then that was triggering. Yeah. And I remember one time actually there was this, it's a very popular devotional. And then they reached out to me wanting me to like, contribute something to their website and I was like man I felt so torn because I'm like this devotional has helped me so much in like my early years mm. of my relationship but now it is so triggering and I, every time I, I would read it I would be like no I don't either I don't agree or even just the language was yeah. bothering me. just the the Christianese was bothering me and, um, so my, my journey has definitely been more fueled by feelings, of course, but yeah. there's, there are books that I have found that have been so helpful to me. And I think the biggest one for me is lies we believe about God, um, mm. by, uh, Paul Young. And, um, that book, I've read it a couple times, really just helped me um see other ways like um in that book he's not saying like that i'm right these people are wrong he's just saying we put our um our whole faith on this interpretation of this mm. but what if it's this and there was a bunch of different chapters of what if this means this yeah 
And it was so liberating and so um, empowering for me on this journey, trying to like figure out what I believe. Um, but I, I feel like my, my journey has been following my intuition, honestly. Yeah. And really though, the reason that I'm always like, I want to make sure that I press Ange is because her, like many people have the tendency when, when you start deconstructing it, it quickly can turn into a uh, a negative and mm-hmm. bit, bitter place because all you do, people think deconstructing is sit around and you just talk shit about the freaking church all day long. <laughs> right. And for me, I've never felt a certain type of way about church because I feel like it, it played its part. Like yeah. you can't, yeah. You can't crap on the institution that led you into this identity of, of, of Christ and Christianity. Now, they're trying their best to teach and preach the way that they feel they it should be taught and preached. As you grow as a believer, it's okay if you outgrow a certain set of ideologies. It doesn't mean that they're bad or you're unsaved now. All it means is that you're maturing. And God is speaking to you in a personal way, like he should. Right. And you may find yourself disagreeing with, with the church on certain issues, but it doesn't make them bad and it doesn't make you bad. It just means you are maturing. So I've never held anything against the church and I, I never held anything against the Christian industry. Yeah. Yeah. I just understand that I may not belong there, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go around and say, oh, they suck or they whatever when they <laughs> taught me a lot about my faith. Yeah. Same thing with the traditional church system. Taught me how to pray, taught me to read my Bible, taught me all these things like shout out to my church, Orlando Faith. Like, I'm so happy that I got to experience that. And I'm happy that I got to grow in that way. And I'm happy that I went to Bible college. Now growing up, do I hold values that may be different than theirs? Yeah, but I don't blame them for their values. And that's something that I I see a lot of people that who may journey into deconstruction. The blame game can get really, it can, you can easily drift into that. And you can easily end up talking crap about these people when it's like, hey, hey, just five, 10 years ago, that was the whole reason you were even you were searching there. God. Right. This Bible that you're feeling a certain type of way about was the only reason you were even believing in who Jesus was. So you can't like all of a sudden turn on the things that have brought you here. Right. It's just, oh, it's like, it's it's the same as like being angry at an old pair of shoes that don't fit you no more. Right. It's not that you're like pissed off, stupid Nike. Freaking size nine. I'm in 11 now. Why didn't you grow with me? You're not. You're going to throw the shoes out and you're going to buy a pair of 11s and keep it moving. Yeah. It's the same thing with church. Don't get mad. They're not trying to like stunt your growth. Just acknowledge. Thank you so much for the time that I was able to be here. Thank you for everything that you taught me. Now I get to go to my next season with Christ and it's going to look like this. And I'm so appreciative of everything you taught me. I'm going to take the good. I'm going to leave what I believe is bad. I'm not going to talk crap about you. I'm going to be okay with my new position. And it's like that simple. It doesn't have to be holding on to hurt or anger or pastor said this or, or they did this to me. And I get it. Like sometimes you get done dirty, but it's like, bruh, Everybody is trying their best to be what they think God wants them to be. Yeah. Some people 
who have hurt you or who have projected this unrealistic uh, standard onto you is because they're doing it to themselves. Right. You have to understand that. If you don't understand that, if you take all these people's hurt personal, then you're not understanding the human condition. The human condition is we all suck. The way you've been hurt, you will at some point hurt somebody in your life. And you're going to want to extend grace to you. Like you're going to want whoever you hurt to give you hella grace. So in the same way, whoever hurt you, give them hella grace because you will need it at some point. And you guys tend to, I mean, I know some of your conversation are more centered more around faith, but some of your episodes are more about um, relationships and love. And I think that's a really cool aspect of the of the podcast that you guys have together too, because, you know, you say that you are deconstructing and reconstructing those ideals, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. y- y'all's relationship or like other people, like basically, or friendship or basically just racial relationships in general, um, which I think is really cool. And uh, yeah. And so I love how you have the, the blend of, of it all. And you're just kind of talking about life and you have your friend, Brandon, who is Brandon to you guys? Uh, first of all, thank you. We, we enjoy our, our little podcast that kind of came out of us having, um, dinner at the house when, and good conversation with our friends. And we would be talking about all of these things, like our relationships, um, faith, and all of this stuff. And we'd be saying some really deep things that were like so enlightening to each other that we found ourselves saying, man, there's so many people that I wish could hear this conversation. Mm. And then that's when Manny was like, let's do this podcast. And so Brandon is a good friend of ours. Um, he's part of our, our circle, our uh, safety quarantine pod that we had. <laughs> um <laughs> And Brandon and his wife, Maddie, moved to L.A. mm, how many years ago now? Maybe four years ago? Um, And we had known each other through the Christian world. Uh, Brandon's dad is a preacher, and Brandon himself was on staff at a church uh, preaching himself. Um, But his dad would travel and preach, and so I had knew of his dad just in the Christian world, Mm. you know? And... um, so we had known of each other, but when they moved to LA, our friend William Matthews is the one who connected us and we just really hit it off and connected so well. And they ended up becoming like our, our core people. And so, um, the podcast started with, uh, myself, Manny, uh, Brandon and our friend Elise, and then, um, Elise moved on and now it's just the three of us. Love it. That's awesome. Okay, so if somebody is just like living under a rock and doesn't know who you are, you guys are, um, (laughs) can you give yourself a little shout out for your socials um, so people can find you and get plugged in and listen to the podcast? Sure. Um, You can, our personal accounts, I'm at Angela Johnson, pretty much on everything. Manny is at Manuel Reyes. Um, I promise we're married, but I just still go by Johnson. Um, um, same. I have my last name's Deliri still, and Adam has a different last name. Like we're married, but like also I like my name. So. But also I have a brand. So. <laughs> my branding. Sorry. <laughs> I already bought the website domain. So sorry. Yeah. One hundred percent. 
Yeah, and then we're at Nights at the Roundtable Pod is the Instagram for um, Nights at the Roundtable. And um, you can follow us there. We post, we do our podcast in seasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, we start our new season we're starting. We're we're recording now. Um, we we are dropping for the next six weeks the the most downloaded episode for seasons one through six, and then we'll start. We started last week. This week is two, so in four weeks, so probably like mid July, we'll start yeah. season seven. Amazing! I love a good recap episode. Yeah, we love. Yeah, that. and there's a lot of new fans that haven't heard of us, so it's it's like a a quick way for them to refresh, kind of like get yeah, get yeah. up to date. Yeah. Awesome. Well, cool. I look forward to uh, season seven uh, happening soon, July, you said. So um, thank you. I'll be on the lookout for it. And uh, yeah, I'll let you know when this episode airs. I'll probably message you guys and um, keep you guys updated. But thank you guys so much for being on today. Um, We loved talking to you. And um, for our listeners, we we love you guys. And um, I know that uh, I'm, I'm sure that you guys will absolutely love their podcast. So please go check them out. Uh, thank you guys for listening. And until next time, bye. bye.